In my opinion, freelance writing is one of the best professions for people who struggle with any type of mental illness, even physical disabilities, because there's something about being taken out of that nine to five environment that's really intense for some people and allowing them to work from home, work on their own terms. That's just really healing for certain people. I'm going to share like my top three mental health go to's when I am just absolutely struggling and when I am in the thick of it. And these won't be your typical you know, meditate. And there's so many things that they say help and so many different things help different people. So I'm going to tell you what my top four go-tos are of how I deal with my emotional health. And the great thing is, is that once I'm able to deal with my emotional health and keep it in check and my mental health, I'm actually able to focus on my life and being productive and getting the job done. And I've been wanting to record something about being a copywriter and being a full-time freelancer as it relates to mental health because it's something that I've definitely struggled with. However, I always hesitate because I don't know if I feel 100% comfortable opening up about my specific mental health issues. I do think that people who are writers, who choose this profession, who are interested in this profession, I do think there is something more sensitive, empathetic, maybe more introverted, maybe like a deeper person, a more analytical person. And that does lend itself to certain mental health struggles, despite the gifts of all of those qualities and traits. So I just want people to know that despite how much I have struggled and all the help that I've received in the journey of seeking out that help and kind of rehabilitating myself, healing myself, it's possible to move on from those things. Not move on because it's always going to be a part of you, but it is possible to manage it in a way where it doesn't have to become your entire life and you can lead a normal life and be successful and be productive and achieve the things that quote unquote normal people are able to so easily achieve. And I think another reason why I've been so hesitant to talk about it is because as somebody who's had to go through a lot of like of therapy and doctors and medication and diagnoses and all that stuff, I not sure I feel 100% comfortable and expert enough to speak on something as nuanced as mental health. So I'm really just coming today as somebody who has struggled from a very young age with mental health issues. And if I could share how I have gotten through it, or if I can share some best practices about how I'm able to manage my mental health while still being a full-time freelancer who supports myself, who's self-employed with a full-time income, living comfortably, I think that's inspiring for a lot of people who want to make this work as well, who want to become freelance copywriters and want to get paid to write. You have to remember that writing for a living was something that was an absolute pipe dream for me. Before I became a freelance copywriter, I had no professional copywriting experience. I was actually in sales. I always knew I wanted to be a writer, but I was just one of those typical liberal arts majors that graduated and had no idea what I was going to do with an English degree because there's so many different routes and I didn't feel that I matched up with the most common routes, which were becoming an academic or a teacher or a journalist. So I wound up getting into sales and learning about the world of business, which obviously benefited me because I use all of those skills as a copywriter. I'm going to tell you what my top four go-tos are of like how I deal with my emotional health. And the great thing is, is that once I'm able to deal with my emotional health and keep it in check and my mental health, I'm actually able to focus on my life and being productive and getting the job done. I'm a full-time writer. I don't write in the mental health niche. And I have so many things in my life that I want to do that, <clears throat> that don't involve dealing with my mental health 
being on a journey of mental health, it's obviously a beautiful thing because you become very self-aware. You learn so much about yourself. You become introspective. I'm a highly empathetic person because of how much I've struggled. But there comes a certain point and a certain point in your healing where you don't want your life to be completely defined by having to manage your emotions 24-7. So as much as I'm all about self-care and mental health and positive thinking and personal development, you actually have to go out and live life and and take life for all that it is, the really crappy parts, the highs and the lows. And the more time I can spend just like being in the world and living life and taking things as they come versus having all of these like rituals and I need to meditate in the morning and I need to you know, do X, Y, and Z rituals to be mentally healthy. Like, you know, I kind of just hit a point where I want to live my life. I want to work. I want to make good money. I want to live comfortably. I want to spend time with my family and friends. And I want to live life on my own terms. I want to get to call the shots. I don't want to be constrained by financial issues. And I don't want to be constrained by a nine to five corporate environment. So that's my MO. So tip number one is obviously going to be journaling. <laughs> if you can literally just be so honest and tell the truth, the truth that doesn't sound great, the truth that doesn't paint you in a good light, the truth that is hard to actually admit to yourself. I think those of us who write for a living need a place to be able to vent and be uncensored and get all of our ugliness and all of the things we're ashamed of out onto paper and no one ever has to see it. And we don't even have to read it again. I know I'm somebody who's definitely gone back and read certain things I've written and I'm like, ooh, this is like really hard. It also took me back to things I didn't necessarily want to re-experience emotionally. So you don't even have to really look at it again. I have been writing in a journal since I was eight years old. I still have all of my journals. Ready? I'm gonna show you all of the journals throughout the years. These are all my journals since I was like eight years old. <laughs> I wanna see if I could find the like first one ever because it's so funny. Let's see. Oh my god, this is like something they used to sell at like the toy store. Oh my god, my handwriting. So, and then I like actually started labeling them by like the years. <laughs> and these are like all filled. And like everyone is different. And most recently, I was thinking, should I have really held on to these journals throughout all these years because I was moving and I'm a very minimalist person. I don't like a lot of clutter. I don't like holding on to stuff. Definitely read Marie Kondo's The, what is it? The Art, The Magic of Tidying Up. That book really taught me that there's not, really got me out of my pack rat ways and allowed me to not have so much crap laying around. I threw away so, so much stuff after reading that book and I felt like such a weight was lifted off me. So. That's actually another mental health thing is having a clear space and not being a pack rat and not having a ton of stuff because really clutter and having stuff really weighs you down and makes you more anxious, really makes it hard to focus and think clearly. But back to the thing about journaling, I thought about, you know, first of all, it's so embarrassing to have all of these journals where I've like written all my teenage angst. And actually I was writing about really like dark, depressing topic matters, probably from age like eight or nine. So I have all this stuff and it kind of felt heavy, like, oh, should I be holding on to this stuff that has all of this dark, depressing venting and has so much anger when I don't want to be like an angry, bitter person? But 
I recently came across this video and it actually spurred me to create this video because um, I thought it was so poetic. I thought it was so accurate about the the absolute transformative power of journaling for your mental health. So I'm going to play that. What should, in an ideal world, define someone as a writer? It isn't that they publish books or give talks at literary festivals or wear black. It's that they belong to a distinct group of people who, whenever they are confused or in distress, gain the greatest possible relief from jotting things down. Writers, in the true sense, are those who scribble as opposed to drink, exercise or chat their way out of pain. The act of writing, especially in a journal or diary, is filled with therapeutic benefits. So deeply do certain ideas threaten the status quo, even if they ultimately offer us benefits. The mind will ruthlessly forget them in the name of a quiet life. But our diaries are a forum in which we can raise and then galvanize ourselves into answering the large questions which lie behind the stewardship of our lives. What do I really want? Should I leave? What do I feel for them? We may not quite know what we want to say until we've started to write. Writing begets more writing. The first sentence makes the second one clearer. After a short paragraph that was summoned from apparent air, we start to know where this might be going. We learn what we think in the process of being forced to utter ideas outside of our swampy minds. The page becomes a guardian of our authentic, elusive self. Here, we can make vows and attempt to stick to them. No more humiliation. The end of masochism. Ordinary life can seem to have no place for stocktaking and moments of grand inquiry. But the page demands and rewards them. What am I trying to do? Who am I? What is meaningful for me? We'd never get away with such things at the dinner table, even among people who claim to love us. But here, they make sense. We can look back at what we've written and understand. The page is a supreme arena for processing. It can drain pain of its rawness. We can get used to disasters and stabilize joys. We can turn panic into lists. Five ways to survive this. Six things I am going to tell them. Four reasons not to despair. We won't need to be so jittery in the world outside after we have told the notebook all this. The page becomes a laboratory in which to try out what might shock and surprise. We don't need to honor everything we say. We're giving it a go and seeing how we feel. It's the first draft of a letter to ourselves. Looking back at what we have written should be embarrassing. If what we mean by that is hyperbolic, disjointed, uncertain, and wild. If we aren't appalled by much of what we have said to ourselves, we aren't beginning to be truthful, and therefore won't learn. If in ordinary life we make a little more sense than we might, if we are a bit calmer than we were, it's perhaps because, somewhere in a drawer, there are pages of tightly compressed handwriting that have helped us to understand our pain safely explore our fantasies and guide us to a more bearable future. We can educate ourselves in the art of being calm, not through... There's something about putting pen to paper and feeling like you're having this release and you're getting all of the stuff that's swirling around into your head physically onto paper and you're organizing your thoughts and you're able to let it go and think more clearly. And what's interesting is that I just had the instinct to do this at a really young age. And I know deep down that's why I am a writer. It's why I never gave up on the idea of being a writer for a living. It might not have taken the the form that I thought it would take. I maybe thought I would be like a novelist or something in more quote unquote creative 
than the copywriting and advertising industry. But I am proud of myself because I did become somebody who pulled it off, who gets paid to write, who gets paid for my words and my thoughts. And I get to sit here and do a job that allows me to do something that I love doing, which is writing. So even though my career took so many winding paths, the fact that I did wind up here and I am writing and I get paid to write is a miracle for me. I think that's also why with the content I create, telling people how to get clients, I don't really talk about how much, I, I will tell you guys how much I charge, but I don't really tell you like my income necessarily uh, because to me, this is about so much more than that. I think it's actually easier to go out and earn six figures at a nine to five than it is a, as a freelancer. So to me, being able to write for a living have all my basic needs and some met by my freelance writing income, that is enough for me. It's not about like, hey, look how much I can earn as a freelance writer. Like it's this isn't get rich quick. This is like I think the people that I want to attract are people who genuinely appreciate the fact that they can become a highly paid writer and how much you want to earn is ultimately your decision. And it's based on so many different factors your geographic location, your age, your experience, your confidence, your work ethic, your schedule, your life situation. So I try not to really be like, hey, look at my six-figure income because it's all really relative at the end of the day. And to me, this is like a higher calling of the lifestyle I want to live versus the income I want to make. I have made six figures at past jobs and I've been absolutely miserable. And I can tell you that that, that whole six-figure role that I was obsessed with it didn't do a single thing to help my mental health or make me feel better. It just maybe relieved some of the financial burdens and getting me out of debt and stuff like that. Real quick, if you are watching this video and you're wondering where are these high paying clients she speaks of and how do I find them, you are gonna wanna register for my free live workshop. I have three live dates at the end of November, beginning of December. You will find the link to registration in the description box below and I can answer your questions at the end because I will be live. I'm so excited to host this workshop because I'm going to show you where to find the high paying clients, how to find them and how to break past all of the mental barriers that newer freelancers deal with. So do not miss this workshop. And I'm so excited to interact with you. You can find that in the link in the description below. Register, save your seat because seats are limited. You know, something that happened the other day really prompted me to record this because so the other day, first of all, if you're one of the 2,000 plus people on my email list that I accidentally emailed the other day, I was so embarrassed because I pressed one wrong button in my email service provider and the wrong email went out to 2,000 people and I was sitting there sweating, so embarrassed. And my boyfriend was like, you know, dinner's ready, I'm cooking. And I'm like, you don't understand what I just did. You got to hold on for a second. I just sent the wrong email to 2,000 people <laughs> welcoming them into my online course. And I was literally sitting there like, well, what do I do? Do I just ignore it? Because like I see people make these type of mistakes and maybe I'll just let it go. But then people were like, wait, they were thinking they got charged for something, which is now that I think of it, that's a totally understandable response. If somebody says, congratulations, you just purchased something, you're going to be like, wait, did I just get charged for something I didn't buy? So I was like, oh my God. So I... I had to go and like, obviously, I posted on Instagram and I emailed everyone saying like, please disregard my last email. It's just such an embarrassing mistake. And, and that day I was particularly struggling. There was like something that was happening in my family that really like triggers me into episode. So I'm having this day and it's out of my control and I'm emotionally triggered and, I, you know, I'm crying, all of this stuff. And then, you know, at a certain point, you got to pick yourself back up, sit down at the computer and start working again. And, you know, I think that's where I went wrong is sometimes when you are having an emotional episode or you're having a bad day or you're just you're just feeling like everything keeps going wrong or you just can't win. My 
go-to tactic is sometimes just ending the day and giving myself permission to not be productive. I think that's something I struggle with is continuing to push myself to do more work and get more done, even though I'm clearly not in the right state of mind. And that particular night, um, instead of just ending the night early, allowing myself to veg out and watch TV, I'm like, well, I gotta get, I gotta check off some tasks on my to-do list. And I start working, trying to be productive despite being like emotionally distressed. And I wind up sending out an email in error to 2000 plus people, which I've never done in the years that I've been doing this. So that brings me to tip number two, which is like, give yourself permission to sometimes just end the day and say, tomorrow's a different day. Tomorrow's going to be better. I'm going to start over fresh tomorrow. And I'm not going to try to figure this problem out. And I'm not going to try to make this day any better. The day ends now. And I've done this where it's like three or four o'clock and I put on my pajamas and I sit down on the couch. I'm not going to the gym. I'm not working out. I'm not cooking. I'm not cleaning. I'm not being productive. I definitely have an issue with allowing myself to relax. I think relaxing is like pretty uncomfortable for me. I always feel like I have to be doing something that's like moving the needle in some way. And that's an issue that I'm working on. And as somebody who deals with deals with mental health issues, you, we need the ability to fully relax. And I don't think I allow myself to really do that. So easier said than done because you might not have the ability to just shut your laptop or, you know, block out the world and end your day. People have kids and responsibilities and nine to five jobs. But if there's anything you can do mentally to just ease the burden on yourself and not expect so much of yourself, it's something you can do mentally, not just physically. You don't have to maybe physically end your day, but you could say, you know what, for the rest of the day, I'm going to mail it in. I'm not going to be 100%. I'm not going to expect 100% of myself. And I'm going to start over tomorrow. <laughs> and tomorrow will be a better day. That has been really key for me. It's just giving up instead of pushing myself or even just continue to ruminate and have these circular thoughts that never go anywhere. There's this saying that the the way of thinking that got you into a problem is not the way of thinking that's going to get you out. So sometimes you have to approach things from a fresh mindset and you're not going to figure it out on that exact day. So just walk away. If I'm really, really distressed, one of the first things I do is call someone. I think if you struggle with mental health, it can feel really isolating. It can feel like nobody can possibly understand, which causes us to kind of like hole up and become reclusive and not open up and share. So if you have one person that you can actually open up to and just call when you're in that moment spiraling just to say, hey, I'm spiraling. I mean, that person, whoever they are, hopefully they understand that you're not looking for them to solve your problem or be a solution. Sometimes we really just need someone to listen. We need somebody to speak it out loud too, and then we can kind of self-soothe and get over it. So my recommendation would be like, find that one person. Um, you know, I would say I'm somebody who's definitely done so much therapy, but a therapist isn't somebody who you can call in the moment unless you have that type of arrangement, which I never wanted that with any of my therapists. Like, I will see you once a week. I'm not going to burden you with my issues uh, and have someone be on call for me. It just feels like not fair to the therapist. But I know some people do actually have those relationships with therapists. But if there's just one person in your life that knows you that you can call, that you don't have to dump on them, you don't have to make them responsible for healing you, but just say, listen, I'm really struggling and I needed someone to talk to. Even if you have one person, you are so blessed. I think a lot of people don't have that one person. For me, it's my mom and my boyfriend. In the past, it's been the best friend that I had. So whoever that person is, just don't be afraid to lean on them and cry it out with them. <laughs> so the fourth thing is like having that go-to activity that you know will soothe you and you know makes you feel better. This is going to be so highly subjective, but it's not going to be probably the thing that's like, Oh, take a bubble bath and, you know, reflect and meditate, like all of the ideal mental health coping mechanisms. For me, it's 
you know, if I'm having one of those days where I'm like, okay, this is spiraling so bad, I need to end the day now, I will sit on the couch and watch what I call my comfort movies or my comfort shows. It's the movies and shows that I've seen a thousand times. For some reason, they're just so comforting to me. And the minute I put it on, it kind of just has this instant soothing effect to me, like Legally Bond, Sex in the City, something borrowed, all of these 2000s rom-coms they just do it for me. I sit there and it just soothes me. I don't want a new show. I don't want any reality TV that's going to necessarily trigger me. I just want something I'm familiar with. It really helps relax me. The second thing is my dog. If I can cuddle with my dog, if I could be near my dog, I've always felt that animals were so, so healing. That is an immediate calming effect for me. It immediately soothes me. And actually, my dog is a rescue and she has really bad separation anxiety. I rescued her about five years ago. I was living in New York City at the time. I probably wasn't ready for a dog at all, let alone a dog that had this bad of issues. But I love her so, so dearly. And she had been given up so many times and had so much baggage from being rehomed so many times that I definitely wasn't going to be the one to rehome her. So we've worked something out where I actually have my parents care for her 50% of the time because if I have her here, I actually can't leave the house because she will actually destroy everything. She rips up my walls. She has done so much damage. She, I can't tell you the amount of stuff she's destroyed. I, in the beginning, I tried crating her and she actually ripped the metal bars off of a metal crate I put her in and she was bleeding around her mouth. The second one was a hard plastic crate and she chewed a hole in the plastic crate and got out. So crating would not work for this dog. Leaving her out would cause her to destroy my surroundings. So having her actually just be in an environment where she's never alone was the solution. And that means I really can't have her 100% of the time. So when I'm really struggling, I'll actually call my mom and, uh, you know, we, I always say that it's like a divorced couple because we live like 45 minutes to an hour away from each other and we find a halfway point and actually hand off this dog and then when I can be with her like it just is such a game changer I'm gonna bring her on camera she's just woke up from her nap and it's like leave me the hell alone hi big girl hi big girl say hi she's a little tired so animals have always been just really healing for me from the time I was really young I've always gone to animals to like soothe me and make me feel better so just having like those go-to's and what makes you feel better is not going to make sense to a lot of people. And it's not going to be something you can like Google on like top 10 lists to get you out of like depression and anxiety. It's going to be just things that bring comfort to you. So I just want you to know if you are somebody who struggles in their mental health, you're not alone. I think some of the people who struggle the most are really the least expected people. Nobody suspects certain people of having really bad mental health struggles because they don't show it on the outside. Maybe they're productive. Maybe they're happy, maybe they're bubbly, but you just never know what people are actually going through. I do think that people who are writers, who choose this profession, who are interested in this profession, I do think there is something more sensitive, empathetic, maybe more introverted, maybe like a deeper person, a more analytical person. And that does lend itself to certain mental health struggles. So I just want people to know that despite how much I have struggled and all the help that I've received in the journey of seeking out that help and kind of rehabilitating myself, healing myself, it's possible to move on from those things, not move on because it's always going to be a part of you, but it is possible to manage it in a way where it doesn't have to become your entire life and you can lead a normal life and be successful and be productive and achieve the things that quote unquote normal people 
are able to so easily achieve. So I wanted to open up with you guys and just be very transparent and be honest, but it's it's a very sensitive subject. Sometimes it's really hard to understand unless you are the person dealing with it or if it's plaguing your family or plaguing your loved ones. So there is always hope. There's always light at the end of the tunnel and you can overcome. So do not miss this workshop. You can find that in the link in the description below. I'm going to show you where to find the high paying clients, how to find them and how to break past all of the mental barriers that newer freelancers deal with. Save your seat because seats are limited. Bye.